You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson, starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. Jen Mueller and John Boyle with you as the Seahawks look for a Sunday night matchup and perhaps a Sunday night win against the Minnesota Vikings to go to 5-0 and for the first time in franchise history. John Boyle, it feels like every single week we are talking about some sort of potential history for this team. Yeah, it's been kind of an early season of milestones, mostly on offense, but also team milestones, as you said. They've never been 5-0, and only been 4-0. and The one time in that year, 2013, turned out okay. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. I mean, that, I recall that being a very long season. We could do that again. But, but I wouldn't mind doing yeah, that again. I'm okay with that. And every week we have talked about Russell Wilson and the offense scoring at a prolific rate. In fact, no team has scored more touchdowns in the NFL than the Seahawks. We could spend the entire time talking about Russell and the wide receivers. But I do think the biggest storyline around the Seahawks this week is a new addition or two on the defensive side. Damon's a, he's been a real force in the league and he's got a real special style and he's so big and so strong and stout in the middle. This opportunity to get him now and to get him on, on the practice squad is to give him some chance to work and get ready and learn what we're doing and, and uh, see where he can fit in as soon as possible. You know, if you've noticed, we've been able to use players off our practice squad that have been playing in our games and they've been part of it. Uh, it's, it's an expanded roster in this the new format and we're trying to take full advantage of that and, and, uh, and make the most of it. So, um, you know, whenever you can get a guy, I mean, this, uh, Damon comes to us, he's a, he's a player that's got, you know, big character on, on, in the in the locker room, um, his, his attitude and personality that you add to the team is really special. And so uh, whenever we can do that, we're trying to get better. And, and so hopefully he'll he'll be able to add in. Right now, we just want him to just get, get to work and get going with us. Yeah, and as Pete Carroll just alluded to there, it might seem odd to see a nine-year veteran who's been a first-team All-Pro signed to the practice squad, but that's very much a temporary move. This is a guy who will be on the 53 sooner or later. They just need to see, as Pete Carroll said, they need to see how he looks in practice week. He was not training camp anywhere which means he hasn't really done anything football true football practice since the end of the season so he'll be up eventually just whether or not it happens on Sunday well and he is a large man to get in shape right not that he wasn't in shape but that is a different type of shape body type reminds me of a Colin Cole for those who remember not that you wouldn't have seen snacks on uh, some of those highlights in the last few years and John that practice squad thing is really interesting because yeah we have never seen veterans that go to the practice squad just to get ready to play it is one of those changes this year as everybody battles kind of the environment that we're in and Pete Carroll likes what the opportunity is there and John I'm going to say he likes your viewpoint on this too yeah no I I really John I think this is great it's it's great for uh, a lot of reasons Uh, when you're practicing if you can imagine being on a football team and and you're on a practice squad and you know you can't play as opposed to now you're practicing and you, you got a chance that you could be playing in this game and all 16 guys have a shot and uh, it's it's just better. It's just a better way. And and uh, I don't know, you know, what'll happen in the future, but um, the flexibility, the the opportunity to, to you know to, to use those those variables to coach. You know, it's it's cool. It's a cool part of it. Shout out to John Boyle from the head coach Pete Carroll. 
you know, whenever Pete Carroll's ta- asked like roster related stuff and he says me and John are working on it, me and John Schneider, I always want to jump in and be like, thanks. But that time he actually meant me because I was asking, you know, this it's kind of related. Pete Carroll's always talked about he likes the idea of letting everyone be active on game day. You know, six or seven players are deactivated on game day. He likes more opportunity for guys in these new, it's all because of the COVID pandemic, unfortunately, obviously, but this expanded practice squad, for those who don't know, there's 16 guys on the practice squad this year, six of whom can be veterans, guys like Snacks Harrison with any amount of experience. And then you're allowed to call two of them up on a game weekend without making a corresponding move, basically expanding your roster by two players. So, as Pete said, he loves that. It's more opportunity for guys. It's a great kind of motivation throughout the week of, hey, you know, you do well, you can get called up. And it's it's guys who have helped this team. Ryan Neal was one of those guys for the Dallas game, as was Shaquem Griffin, and they both played a big role in that game. And that earned them more permanent call-ups to the 53-man roster the following week because they went out and showed it. So um, we'll see, you know, what teams want to do, how owners vote on it. But I think you might see a lot of people of Pete Carroll's mindset that, like, hey, let's keep this around. It's just more opportunity and more flexibility on the roster. Well, and you would like to think or hope that those guys are taking advantage of being on the practice squad. But to Pete's point and to your point, it would be really easy to just kind of zone out and not give 100% because you know that you're not playing that week. Not everybody treats things as Ryan Neal did. We heard from him this week. Boy, he has been a revelation in that secondary. We know that he is going to play again against the Vikings because Jamal Adams has already been ruled out. But He goes back to last year when he was first signed to the practice squad of the Seahawks and said, look, I'm playing against the number one offense. I'm playing against Russell Wilson every day. If I don't take this opportunity, A, it's silly. And B, if there ever is an opportunity, I want the team to essentially go shopping right here in-house instead of going outside of the building. They should be choosing from this talent pool. And while he has certainly made his presence felt in the last few weeks, Pete Carroll goes back to what they saw in film before he was even with Seattle as identifying a member who would fit in on this defense. But I think it was really the aggressive style that, that you know, that he, he was kind of an attack player that is what caught my eye. And, and uh, I, I thought you could see enough in the film we saw that, that you could see what kind of a style player he would be. And we just didn't know how good or how, you know, how he learned. We didn't know all that stuff at the time. But he's become, you know, gosh, what a great addition to the to this opportunity and uh, to this defense to come in and do what he's been doing. So uh, he brings a lot with him. It's not just athleticism. It's the smarts and his attitude and his char- character and all of that that's added to it. And this is, all, I mean, everything Pete Carroll preaches about competition, Ryan Neal is an embodiment of that of this is a guy who's had to go the hard road. He was undrafted. He's bounced around to a bunch of teams. And this this organization, because of the way Pete Carroll truly believes in competition and doesn't, you know, oh, this guy was drafted higher, whatever it is, he lets guys compete out. And we've seen it over the years, all these undrafted guys, guys who get promoted. I mean, people forget he just retired. Jermaine Curse, you know, great Seahawks career. Started on the practice squad. Deshaun Shedd started on the practice squad. A lot of these guys did that. So Ryan Neal has taken advantage of a great opportunity. And with Jamal Adams, unfortunately out again this week, he's going to have another chance to, to show what he can do and show that I think we've already started to see it. He's kind of making that statement of, look, even when everybody's healthy and I may not be a starter, you're going to need to find ways to get me on the field because he's making plays. Before we dive into that defensive matchup, I will say two of my favorite things that Ryan Neal said when he talked to the media this week was, uh, I have not played a full football game on defense in years. So that was a new experience to him. And then his awestruck 
fandom of having Cam Chancellor reach out to him and go over all of his practice film. Yeah, I mean, for a guy like Ryan Neal, who, again, like we just discussed, has kind of gone the hard road in his career to have Cam Chancellor, a, you know, an all-time great Seahawk who happens to play the same position, reach out, you know, through Pete Carroll, say, hey, I want to talk to this kid. And he's, you know, going over his film with him, talking to him every day. And that's that's just so valuable to these players to have somebody of Cam Chancellor's stature looking out for him, giving him tips. Because, look, the Seahawks have great coaches, and he's getting good coaching here. But there's something else about having a guy who played recently at your position at that high of a level. It just comes with an extra element of respect. And you can tell that Ryan Neal is making a difference, maybe not to the degree that Cam Chancellor did, but he definitely fits into this defense. John, what did we see from the Hawks last week? Because one of our talking points was stop giving up those big explosive plays. Last week against Miami, there was no plays longer than 26 yards, and they really seemed to cut down on some of that. How much closer do you think they are to being what we consider a real Seahawks defense? That was a really good step in the right direction. There were still, you know, there's still more of the, you know, 15, what they consider explosive 16 plus. There's still a few more of those than they would have liked. But as you said, to keep it, they're only two over 20 yards a week after giving up four over 43 of which were touchdowns. I mean, that's a big step in the right direction. Some of that was schematic. They stopped blitzing as much. Um, you know, I think Jamal Adams not being on the field may have contributed to that, but they wanted, that was a priority and they put the emphasis on it and they got much improved results. So there's still work to be done to get to, you know, the level they think they can be as a defense, but it was a very encouraging step. Now, when we think about what that Seahawks secondary did last week, and we think about Ryan Neal having to go against, and really the entire defense against Russell Wilson every day in practice, here's something I want to throw out at you. The Vikings started using their play action passes a lot more last week. They flipped the script much like Seattle did at the beginning of the year, halfway through last game, Kirk Cousins on first down play action accounted for 162 of his 260 yards against Houston. Now they were trying to prey on that Houston secondary. What do you think it does for the Seahawks secondary that a has just taken the step in the right direction and B knows exactly what play action looks like going against Russell Wilson? Yeah. I mean, that's helpful that they practice against one of the best offenses at that, at the play action, taking the shots. It's going to be interesting to see what Minnesota does because we all know, you know, Dalvin cook leads the league in rushing right now. They lean on him heavily, but as you just said, they got the passing game going. They have a great tandem of receivers there. So, um, you know, this offense is a lot of what we hear Pete Carroll talk about of balance. If you can beat teams two different ways on offense, that, that makes you more dangerous. So, and, you know, I know fans might see a one and three record, not worry too much about Minnesota, but that offense has some legit firepower. And as you, I mean, if, if they get that play action going and, then you, you got to pick your poison of do we stop the league's leading rusher? Do we, you know, worry about the guys going over the top on us? So it's a, it's a tough challenge. And he's not just the leading rusher in the league. He is also the league leader in broken tackles. 21 overall, 10 last week against Houston. That is Dalvin Cook, and he has certainly got the attention of Pete Carroll in the defense. He's really explosive. You know, he's got great speed. He's not the fastest running back in the league, but he plays like it. He's, he's such a quick accelerator. Uh, that the whole field is available to him on any play. He can wind up on a play that starts wide to the right, all the way going out the back door. He's done that multiple times, and, and 
if he's running an inside play, it could wind up being an outside play in either direction. Uh, he's very creative and very explosive, and, and uh, obviously looks like he's, he's in great shape and really fit and, and, and ready to handle it. And they can throw the ball to him, and he's really dangerous in the open field. So he's, a, he's an excellent football player. Just a reminder that Cairo Radio and 710 ESPN Seattle, they are your home for the Seattle Seahawks and the Pete Carroll Show. You can hear the Seahawks head coach on Cairo Radio Blue Fridays at 815 and 1215. And don't miss Pete Carroll on 710 ESPN Seattle at 930 in the morning after every game. We hope that Pete Carroll is not talking about Dalvin Cook come Monday. I do think that he is an interesting challenge. When you talk about picking your poison, I think the sure steady tackles in the middle of the field are what's going to be key for the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously we talked about the guy they just added, but they've been getting really good play out of that run defense. They haven't been tested a ton because a lot of it's they've been playing from ahead. Teams kind of give up on the running game and come out throwing, but you can look at, you know, obviously the when there's not a lot of attempts, the yards numbers aren't as important, but the yards per carry, they're averaging or they're holding opponents to 3.4 a carry. That's third best in the NFL, uh, including, you know, keeping Ezekiel Elliott in check uh, a couple of weeks ago when Elliott was coming into the game with a, with a big average and a bunch of yards in his first two. So, um, you know, as you said, the big tackles, Puna Ford, Jaron Reed, Brian Monet, those guys have all, you know, quietly had really strong starts to the season when you talk about run defense and then whenever they can add snacks into that, whether it's this week or next week, that's going to be a formidable group with a lot of size and strength in the middle. And, uh, yeah, if the, if the Vikings do want to get the run going, that's going to be fun to watch how those those guys in the middle mix it up. And then we know the linebackers, obviously, Bobby and KJ, will do their job to clean it up as well. Point of reference, Minnesota is averaging 150 rushing yards a game. Now, if you flip that around, the Minnesota defense is allowing 134 rushing yards a game. They're also allowing 426 yards in total. And when you take a look at the turnover battle, the Seahawks have the edge by far in this one. I'm going to be curious to see what the mix is for the Seahawks, because this seems to suggest there's an awful lot of opportunity for Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde if he is back and able to play. But why would you stop doing what's worked with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf? I mean, to a degree, you don't. But the one thing to keep an eye on will be, you know, one factor, and this is why Pete Carroll talks about balance no matter how well you throw it, is the weather could be a factor in this one. There's some chance of rain and could get breezy. And, you know, not that they can't throw the ball in the rain, but maybe this is a good game where you need to lean on that running game a little more and again I don't think we're going to suddenly see Russell Wilson throw the ball 15 times and shut the passing game down it's been way too good to do that but yeah I mean you always want to have that running game to lean on when you need it and in limited opportunities Chris Carson's been fantastic so uh, you know whether this is the game or it happens another week there's going to be a game they need to count on him count on that run game to get going and uh, they have the utmost confidence when they need it it'll be there. Well, when I take a look at the number that Brian Schottenheimer has called passing plays on 54% of the Seahawks' first down attempts, what that says to me is, A, this is an explosive offense, but B, what I'm really waiting for is that number to flip. Not because they need it to, but because they would want it to, right? I mean, that I just kind of think, yeah, we are due for one of those games where they completely flip it around, and weather could definitely be a factor and change that. The Vikings seem pretty confident that they know what they're going to get from Russell Wilson, right? Because this is a matchup that has played out several times. How much do you think they really know Russ 
given the way the plays have been called and plays have been made this year? I mean, they've seen him the last two years, funnily enough, in prime time, both times in, in the bright green jerseys. So uh, they know all of that. But you're right. The offense is different this year. It's not the one thing that people, when they say, oh, the Seahawks are throwing like crazy this year, it's not the the raw numbers. They're, Russell Wilson is 17th in the NFL in pass attempts right now, so he's kind of right in the middle. But as you said, they're throwing more on the early downs. They're avoiding third and longs or just avoiding third down altogether more often because they're throwing earlier. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they know Russell Wilson, the player. They know the playmaker is, but they haven't quite seen this version of the offense where it's, you know, leaning a little more heavily on those early downs on Russell Wilson. So we'll see how they handle it. So far, nobody in the NFL has been able to handle it, really. Well, and, you know, to your point about it's not the number of throws. How about DK Metcalf tied for the league lead in receiving yards, and he's got 16 receptions. I mean, it's it's not like his numbers are off the chart for number of receptions. It's just the yards they're managing to get. It's wild. I mean, averaging 25 a carry or a catch, and he's – Four, it's funny. It's not just 16 catches. It's four per game. Exactly. And right. four, four per game for somewhere between 90 and a hundred and so yards. It's, it's pretty impressive. The efficiency he's had right now. And he's, he is having a hell of a second season. It is one of the reasons the Seahawks have scored at least 30 points in each of their first four games. They would be looking to make that five straight games. It would be the first time in franchise history if they can do that against the Vikings. We are going to wrap things up in just a second, John, with the two things the Seahawks need to do to come away with a win. I do want to point out that you can find complete Seahawks coverage on 710 ESPN Seattle, the 710 ESPN Seattle app, or at 710sports.com. 710 ESPN Seattle, the voice of Seattle sports. That should have bought you enough time to give me two things you need to see the Seahawks do this week against the Vikings, John. Well, we've talked a bunch about Dalvin Cook already, and I'm not going to give you a yardage number because if they feed him a ton, it could get up there no matter how well they play, but keep him under, let's say four point, we'll give him 4.2 a carry. Keep him under that. So he's not getting a bunch of the big gains on you. I think that's a really good start for the defense. And then on offense, I just want to see the continued taking care of the football. They've been really efficient and there's been a couple turnovers that it seems like they've been very costly when they've come. You've had a pick six, you've had a fumble right at the cusp of the end zone. So they haven't turned it over often, but when they have, it's tended to be, pretty damaging plays. So keep the turnovers down. Let's let's say no turnovers and keep Dalvin Cook in check. I'm going to piggyback your Dalvin Cook comment, but it's going to be on the broken tackles. Let's make sure that he's not getting extra yards after first contact is made. Those are sure tackles with multiple defenders rushing to the point of that attack. And I'm going to go special teams They've because I know that Kirk Cousins is the definition of average if you look at the numbers, but when you put all those weapons around him, he can be dangerous downfield. I want to see them have to drive the entire length of the field. So Michael Dixon, I'm going to count on uh, at least one, one put, two put. I don't think let's, the Seahawks are going to punt that much, right? But like, you better pin an inside let's the 15-yard yeah. line. How about that? And I like you bringing that that up because special teams has been really good this year and maybe not getting the love they deserve because they haven't, you know, returned a kick for a touchdown or anything, but just really solid across the board. And as Pete Carroll loves and no penalties so far on special teams. It is always a key. We will see if that is enough for the Seahawks to go 5-0 for the first time in franchise history. Either way, we will be back to break it down with you next week on the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. 